0: this is the title of my message. Grace, grace. Now, Pastor John had um, indicated to us, you know, and we know, this is a difficult time. Things are not the way that it normally is. We don't have the freedom to move. We don't have the business opportunities like there were before. So, a lot of people might have been praying and felt that we're not getting anywhere. We are struggling. And um, if you're Go back the last three weeks. Pastor John's messages, the last three weeks, he's been motivating us. Three weeks ago, he preached on the keys to success. The success of knowing the word. The success of speaking the word. The hope in the word. The hope in the Holy Spirit. The week thereafter, he preached on Elijah tucking in his garments into his girdle. Managing your emotions. Not like Adam and Eve who gave in to their temptations, but managing it. And then he concluded to say that God has a purpose for you. Run with it with faith, hope and love. Last week he preached on living from the vision. Basically that our physical eyes have this problem or this issue that we only see physical things and we only see the present. We need to to have spiritual eyes. We need to see with our spiritual vision what God has in store for us. And we should not look at what has happened. We should not look at our past, our regret, our failures. He highlighted about Thomas Edison with 10,000 tries to make a working electric lamp. And, you know, basically saying that he did not give up hope. He had his eyes fixed on a vision. So he had his vision. And... um, Vision gives us passion, motivates us, it gives us purpose, it attracts provision. And then one of the last verses that he ended up with was Zechariah 4 verse 10. But before I get there, 2 Timothy 3 verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, or instruction in righteousness. The next verse. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So even if we find in the Old Testament where there was sin and punishment, we know that that punishment is no longer there for us because of what Jesus did on the cross. But yet those texts are still valid because they help us to go on to perfection. So we should still read it and we should still look for a message in there. Okay, so I will be going to the Old Testament and I will be looking for something that might be a harsh word if you look at it from before the cross. So in Daniel 10 verse 12, Daniel was praying and the angel appeared to him and he said, from the very first day that you prayed. So the next verse basically said it was 21 days. Now, Daniel was praying, and some commentators said, because of the vision that he had, which was a war that was coming about progressive kings coming, but one of the commentators basically said that Daniel had on his heart, he was troubled, because the rebuilding of the temple could not continue, and this was an issue that was troubling him, and he was praying for that. So, let's pick up from there. So, this is... During the, the reign of King Darius. Now, if, um, and we don't need to go there, but if we look at Ezra 4 verse 5, well, if you start at verse 1 and you go up to verse 5, you see that he mentions the time periods. He said this was a so many year of King Darius, and then verse 5, it was a so many And this is when Zerubbabel was rebuilding the temple. And you can see the resistance he had in that time. And if you add it together, it comes to about 15 years of resistance. other words, the foundation was laid and nothing more. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So now let's go to Zechariah 4 verse, verse 6. Okay, so just before this, it was the, the vision about the olive branches and the bowls and the ceaseless supply of oil. And then the Lord came to Zechariah and he said, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying... Not by might, nor power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Next verse. Who art thou, O great mountain? So this great mountain was Sanballat and Tobias. Now they were in high influence with the kings. And they were the ones presenting the resistance for 15 years. So Zerubbabel had a zeal to continue in building it. But for 15 years, he had issues. Trouble after trouble after trouble. Was he outside the will of God? No. But for 15 years, he had to continue. Daniel was praying 21 days before he got an answer. There was an enemy stopping this. They were 100% in the will of God, but there was something stopping it. We may see, even in this time, that you may be praying for something. You may be in need of something, and you're praying, and you're not getting the answer. Now, the issue is this. Sometimes people would pray, and they would, they would pray today. And tomorrow they wake up, and they don't see the results. So tomorrow they pray again. The second prayer, I have a problem with this in this sense. The second prayer is a prayer of unbelief. Because you don't believe that God heard me the first time. So now I'm praying again. I'm saying, God, you did not answer. I'm asking again. Now, we have a story uh, that Jesus himself told in Luke 18, verse 1 to 8, about the unjust judge. Now, people take that and say that we need to badger God. And, and not, that's totally out of context. He was not comparing himself to that judge. He was saying, as bad as that judge was. If you go to verse 8, you'll actually see. He says, as terrible as that judge was, nevertheless, he will avenge you speedily. So even though you are facing an unjust judge, if you pray, God will avenge you speedily. This is what he's saying. This is his promise. This is his word. Okay, this is his word. So let's go back to Zechariah 4, verse 7. O great mountain. So this great mountain is Sanballat and Tobias. And he says, thou shalt become a plain. In other words, you're a mountain now, you'll become a plain. So God is going to wipe him out of the way. God is going to clear this area. And now the word to Zerubbabel is this. He shall bring forth the headstone. Now the headstone is not the foundation stone. So the foundation is laid. The first stone to be laid is the foundation stone. The headstone, if you had to build an arch, you would brick up from this side and from that side. And when you eventually come to the top, you would put in one final stone and it's wedge-shaped and that holds that whole arch, that secures that whole arch. That is the final stone that needs to be laid in. That's the headstone. So in this temple, there was a stone. In the design, that would have been the headstone. So now, remember, the foundation is the only thing that is laid. So, Zechariah, through Zechariah, God says to Zerubbabel, take that headstone, yes. that final one, that which you have in the vision. In other words, the job is completed. That's what the headstone represents. The job will be completed. Yes. Take it. You shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shouting, grace, grace unto it. So, what does it mean to shout, grace? Grace. If I just shout grace, grace, and I have no idea, or I don't mix it with faith, what is the result going to be? Absolutely nothing. So my thought was, at this point, let me throw in some basic Hebrew understanding. Because what we understand as grace, you know, you could have a lady that's dressed in a beautiful dress, and it's flowing, and we can say, she wears it with so much grace. And that's, that's what grace means. It's not what this means. We can say, if I have mercy over somebody, I have grace for them. Is that what this means? So obviously there must be a different meaning. So in the ancient Hebrew text, that would be the chet. That represents a fence or a wall. And then we have the nun. So that word there would be shen, which is grace. So this is the word grace. But it also means camp. And I'll, you'll see now why it means camp. So there's another word. This is the root word. So there's another word. So this is the fence. The nun is a seed or something flowing forth. It's a continuance. So what we are seeing here is a fence that continues. So that's why it's a camp. So grace could mean a fence. That is around the seed, or it is a fence that continues. Now, if we have that again, and we again have another noon behind it, this is the word Shannon. Some woman's name would be Shannon. So this is Shannon, and this means mercy or compassion. So it could be compassion as well. So you can see that whatever grace provides for us. It's a continuous camp. So, if a traveler had to walk through the wilderness and he came upon a camp, he would notice all the tents, and they would actually put them tent after tent after tent to form a circle like a lore, yeah. yeah. So that he would know that if he enters there, he would find Hospitality. He would find provision. He would find protection in there. So what flows out of the camp, you see that indicates this is the camp. What flows out of the camp is the mercy and the compassion. Now we have another one. So we again have the camp, and there we have a man with his arms raised. That's the letter Hay. So the letter Hey basically says to me, let me reveal something to you. He's going to reveal that. So he's going to reveal a camp to you. This word means to pitch a tent. So he says, when I pitch my tent, I'm revealing the camp to you. So you can see that this pitching the tent comes from the word grace. Now just for the for the sake of interest I thought let me drop in another one and it's not going to start with the Het. it starts with the Mem so this is the Mem and then we have the Het. we have the Nun and we again have the Hay. so this is that is Shannon, this is Shanna, this Now, this would be... Now, you have a camp. You can see clearly you have a camp. You have pitched tents. But you have many of them. And this would be... Let's say I have a camp. And I have another camp. This is the camp of the Israelites. That's the camp of the Egyptians. So if I talk about the Israelite camp, I would use the mem in front. Now, Jacob... When he left Laban, he was met by angels. And when he saw them and he left there, he called the place Machanayim, because we were two camps. So that's where it comes from. So this is the name of the camp. Now, come back to grace. If I say this is what grace actually meant, I need to be able to prove it. And it's good that you question me, so I will try and prove it. So what we often find in the Bible is that a word, typically in the Psalms, a word would be used in parallel with another word. Because in the Hebrew mind, things like compassion, grace, anger, and love, they're abstract. But we would read in the Psalm that the righteous man is like a tree planted by rivers, who bears fruit and whose leaves will not wither. And we see concrete things. We see a tree. We see a river. We see fruit. We see leaves. But those all have figurative meanings. Yet they use concrete things to describe it. So somewhere we will find a concrete description of what does mercy really mean. What does grace really mean to them. So if I look at Psalm 6 verse 2, I see the word Shannon. And I see, have mercy, so that's Shanna, on me and heal me. So he parallels healing with this. So I have healing. Then in Psalm 30 verse 10, he says, have mercy on me and help me. Psalm 41 verse 10, have mercy on me and raise me up. Psalm 88 verse 16, Have mercy on me and save me. So I'm just going to put save, raise me up, save me. So we see there's healing, there's help, and there's saving. So in abstract ideas, there's protection and provision. We can have a look in Proverbs 17, verse 8, where the word shen is used and the word precious stone. So precious is there meant with shen. So it's something precious. Proverbs 11 verse 16, it compares it with the beauty of a woman, and it parallels that with the strength of a man. So shen is the beauty or the graciousness of the woman and the strength of the man. So shen, grace, has something to do, according to these two times, something precious and something Beautiful. So this compassion, because this flows out of the camp. So whatever flows out of the camp, that is something precious and that's something beautiful. So when you talk about grace, you talk about the preciousness and the beautifulness of the provision and the protection. So go back to Zerubbabel. What did he have to shout? Grace, grace. He had to say, provision, protection. He was provision and protection on your camp because he was talking about the camp. He said, God, show the beauty. Show us the beauty of your protection. Show us the beauty of your provision. That is what you need to show. So you have to understand what he had to shout. He had to understand what he was what shouting over the headstone, the final product. Now, we were talking about, Pastor John spoke about it, that people um, We're not all where we need to be. And he said that in Bible school, he was the most holy one of them all. And that's the truth. So he just (laughs) raised the point again. He was the most holy. But those others in the Bible school, they might have not followed the word of God exactly, to the T. And even today, we find it. And there's a lot of pressure in modern times. People just move in and they live together. Is that in line with God's word? It's not. Is it acceptable morally? For most of the people, yes, but not according to God's word. I'll fill in my tax form, but I'll omit something. Is that good? No, it's not good. I'll do a deal, but we don't take it through the books. You pay me cash, I give you 10% discount. It's win-win. Is it win-win? It's not really. It's not really. And we find wisdom in helping each other but we'd fail to turn to God in some instances. And I don't want to... I'm not a promoter of the Message Bible. It's definitely not the Bible that I would use for Bible study. But for teaching, I think it has merits. It says things awesome. And for homework, even if you don't have a Message Bible, go online. Go and read Isaiah 30. It's got 33 verses. Read that in the Message Translation. It is awesome. It is an awesome chapter to go and read. So just to bring you up to speed what it is, it's about Israel. And every now and then, a nation on this side or that side would either insult them or threaten them. And then they run to the other nation and they're looking for support. And they say, Let's have a confederacy. Confederate with me. You know, let's join because that one has insulted me. And then they get insulted here and they run that side. So when you go and read Isaiah 30, God is now speaking to Israel. And he's saying to them, you know what? You run to Egypt. My name for Egypt is a toothless dragon. You say, but my enemies will not chase me because I've got fast horses but they will eventually catch up. No, but I'm going to have forces that can run further. And he says, do you think they're following you on lazy nags? Yeah. You know, he's basically saying to them, they will catch up with you. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can put up Isaiah 30 verse 15. Um, so this is eventually where God now wants to encourage his people. And he says, the Holy One of Israel has this solemn counsel. Your salvation requires you to turn back to me and stop your silly efforts to save yourself. Your strength will come from settling down in complete dependence on me. The very thing you've been unwilling to do. Verse 18, but God is not finished. Now look at the grace of God. He's waiting around to be gracious to you. He's gathering strength to show mercy to you. God takes the time to do everything right, Everything. Those who wait around for him are the lucky ones. Verse 19. Oh, yes, people of Zion, citizens of Jerusalem. Your time of tears are over. Cry for help, and you'll find it is grace and more grace. It's grace and more grace. The moment he hears, he'll answer. So there's no delay. Okay, let's go to verse 23. Look at this. God will provide the rain for the seeds you've sown. So you sow without there being any rain. You have to do something. And then you rely, depend totally on God, and He provides the rain. You don't wait for the rain and then think, I'm going to start sowing now. You sow now. The grain that grows will be abundant. Your cattle will range far and wide. So it's all about blessings and blessings thereafter. Now let's go to Psalm 89, verse 32, because this is about... David and his household. Now, if you remember that in 1st of January, I was brought to word on hope and about the eternal covenant that God has with the household of David. Now, here God says, I'll rub their faces in the dirt of their rebellion and make them face the music, but I'll never throw them out, never abandon or disown them. Do you think I'd withdraw my holy promise or take back words I'd already spoken? I've given my word, my whole and holy word. Do you think I would lie to David? His family tree is here for good. His sovereignty is as sure as the sun. Other translations would say his throne is as sure as the sun. Who's on the throne of David? Jesus. So Jesus is compared to the sun. So he's the sun. Next verse. Now, it's his seed. He's talking about his seed is as dependable as the phases of the moon. So who's the seed of David? Who's the house of David? It's the, the, the heirs. The heirs of David. They're the moon. Okay? So we see Jesus is the sun. The church is the moon. Okay, if you can go back to Isaiah 30. Verse 26, and you can put that in the King James for me. Moreover, now remember, Isaiah 30, this was about God speaking to Israel about their running away and looking for confederacy. And then he says, you need to turn back to me. So this is the final thing about it. He says, moreover, the light of the moon. Now, does the moon have its own light? No. It reflects. What does it reflect? The sun. So who's the moon? The church. The moon is the church. So the moon, which is the church, shall be as the light of the sun. Are we as bright as Jesus? No, but he's spoken it. He will not withdraw his word. He's spoken it. He says, the light of the moon, which is the church, shall be as the light of Jesus. And the light of the sun shall be sevenfold as the light of seven days. Seven speaks here of perfection. So, there's going to come a day when we will be as bright as Jesus. Romans 8 verse 19 talks about it. He says, creature, the whole creature, which is creation, longs for the day when the sons of God will be revealed. This is what they're waiting for. For the revelation... So, we will come to the day where we will be as bright as the sun. Now, just to recap, I started off by saying the whole scripture is for teaching. And it's there to perfect us, to perfect us. So, we are not seeing that we are as bright, but we're all saved. So, why are we not seeing being that bright? Is it that we're not perfected? Probably that we're not all perfected, that we have not, that we are willing to compromise here and we're willing to compromise there. We're not standing on the truth and the truth only. We are willing to let that go. And we're willing to say, okay, you know what? That's fine. We can accept that. We see abortion being legalized in this country, and it's wrong. It's wrong. We see many other things that have just been legalized, and it's wrong. And we as church, we are now standing and we're saying, well, okay, if you want to do it, that's fine. But we need to be the ones standing. So I have a message purely on on standing firm and defending a barley field, but that's one on its own. So my message of hope for us today, my message, which I want to add on to what Pastor John has said, for us to succeed in this time, we need to know the Word of God. We need to confess the Word of God. We need to find our hope in the Word of God. We need to pray the Word of God. We need to have the Holy Spirit guide us. We need to let control our emotions. We need to have a vision. And we need to fix our eyes on that vision. And we need to, like Zerubbabel, shout over it. Grace, grace. The beauty of your provision and your protection. On this issue, but we need to be sure that we are standing right with God at that time. He will answer the prayer. He do it the moment we pray. If there's no delay, we do not repeat the same prayer in unbelief. We can then pray against the enemy. We can pray against other symptoms, but we do not pray the same prayer again, because that is unbelief. But we continue to confess, God, your word says it, we do that. So that is my message for us, that if you're in this, during this time, if you're not finding the breakthrough that you've been looking for, speak Christ over it. Speak God's word over it. And we all know that the temple was eventually rebuilt, so God's word did hold true. Thank you. That's my message. Awesome. Thank you, Andre. Isn't it good to know the word? It's good. I mean, so deep and so rich. Thank you, Andre. It brought out things that I didn't know about grace. So, really powerful. The beauty and the strength of God's provision.